the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, welcome to uh, Isaiah 61, the radio ministry of Spirit of the Lord Church. Uh, I'm Pastor Joe Sutton, and I'm here again with you this afternoon. And uh, uh, once again, I'm going to take a little bit of peek into the uh, to the to the life of, of, of Nehemiah and uh, looking at it from how, you know, as, as we prepare our steps, you know, as we prepare our steps, as we uh, sit down and, and we look at our, our purpose and we, we allow our vision to be shaped and to know what it is that God wants us to accomplish upon this earth. You know, I, I love sitting down with, with young people and, and uh, causing them to dream and, and looking at them, watching them write and outline and, and seek the Lord is, is Lord, how would you have me to do this thing? And, uh, and, and so it's, it's, it's encouraging to me to, to see that and go this weekend, past weekend, uh, we had our first meeting of the generals class and, and the journey to college and, uh, answering their questions about what it takes, what, what schools and do this and offer this and ways to get out of ways of Lord across the tuition, find scholarships. And, and, uh, it, it was, it was a good class. It was good. And, and the parents were there and, we had a lot of questions. Supposed to end it at one o'clock. I think we got out of there at like one forty because uh, people just had questions and and are really interested in um, using education to further further themselves, you know, socially, economically, but also to prepare themselves to complete the the mission that God has given them. Uh, you know, last week I talked about with, with Nehemiah. Nehemiah had to look at the as is versus the should be. And when he received his vision and he made his plan, he was sitting in another city. So as he came and observed in the city, and we talked about how, you know, in chapter 2, verse 16, he didn't tell anybody why he was there. He went out at night. He made his observations. Then he came back, and then he presented the plan to them. And uh, and so he had to take his his should be what he wanted to accomplish and look at the as is. You know, a lot of times, um, and I'll give you an example of this, as is is from even uh, embarking upon doing evangelism, you know we know what the should be should look like. We we know the Bible tells us what what our family should look like, uh, what our neighborhood should look like. But when we look at the as is, it's not necessarily so. So I remember when I was a young youth evangelist working with Youth for Christ, and uh, I remember I came into Minneapolis and I was doing my community assessment survey. I was a uh, Looking around the city, uh, seeing you know what was you know looking at the as is situation, what was really going on, and where could I fit in, and, and what could I do? And at the time, there was just a ton of uh, youth reach 
youth opportunities, youth reach opportunities, youth workers. I mean, the park board had youth workers, the YMCA had youth workers, the the Boys and Girls Club had youth workers, the bridge had youth workers. I mean, uh, I mean, there was even youth workers out there for the uh, uh, GOBT. They just was youth workers everywhere. You know, what I mean, so the parks had them, everybody, and and so there was not a need for another youth group, but there was a need for a group that helped the disciple people and helped them grow in the work. And she had church youth groups and stuff, things like that, but it mainly was centered around certain points, but it wasn't really anything that where a person could come and feed on and chew on the word of God and, and then, and then take their game to another level, become a leader in Christ. And so that's my emphasis that I placed on. But I remember reading this uh, parable with Jesus and it was a parable of the, uh, the, the, the farmer that, you know, who plants a crop that he doesn't have the silos in which to hold it. And so as me and some other youth workers were praying about how, you know, for revival, we had to ask some serious as is questions, you know, and, uh, and, and in our community in North and South Minneapolis, there were at the time only two full-time uh, youth pastors. Only two churches had full-time youth pastors. Some had a person serving there, you know, as a Sunday school teacher or something like that, or maybe volunteer. But there was, and then most churches had nobody. So we looked at all these young people out here, you know, uh, and and then, but yet we had no place to put them. We had no silos in which to store the harvest if we went out and got the harvest. So we had to change our plan. Our plan could not just be uh, go out there and win young people to Jesus Christ. Our plan also had to be to raise up youth leaders and to convince uh, church leadership that they needed a youth leader so that when we went out and won these kids to Christ, they would have some place to go. And I remember when I first got here, we, we did an outreach around the Super Bowl back in uh, 90, 91, 92. And um, we had like, oh, my goodness, I was in charge of follow-up. Everybody was there for the event, but no one showed up for follow-up. And I had like 278 decisions made during the event. And I had to follow up those 278 decisions. And uh, and then I had to run discipleship classes around the city for you. Man, it was, whoo, Lord. That was a nightmare time, you know what I mean? And so, and, uh, it, 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 but it wasn't enough. It was kids in neighborhoods that literally, well, there could be two or three churches, but there was just no, nothing there for young people. And, and it was like how, so a lot of kids, uh, had a faith in God, but yet didn't have a place where to grow. Uh, some went to Christian organizations like, you know, Youth for Christ, Hospitality House, Young Life, uh, and, and made in Wait House, and they made those like their church. And, uh, you know, because that's, I mean, they were looking for a relationship. They were looking for a chance to grow. They were looking for family, and, and it wasn't there. And the situation hasn't changed much over the last 20 years that I've been here. You still have a majority. You can't walk in there and pick up a bulletin and see the name of a person that's assigned to youth and children uh, in most of our urban churches. You know, a friend of mine, Ron McConnell, has a ministry called Youth Resources. And part of the vision of Youth Resources is to equip uh, urban youth leaders. So we, we provide resources for urban youth leaders and training and everything like that. And so because we see the need to to grow this arm that they can be a, a safe place where our children can go and find comfort. So Nehemiah had to access the should be versus the as is. 
you know, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of cliques or factions. People weren't getting along. Uh, people were having there was a famine going on, so they were selling their uh, kids into slavery. They were violating biblical laws and enslaving their people and not releasing them during the year of Jubilee. Uh, it was just a lot going on. There's just, you know, there's no strong leadership structure. And so Nehemiah's plan, we like to focus on the wall, but Nehemiah's plan was not just the wall. Nehemiah also stayed around and became the governor and he provided leadership. He saw that people were scarred, so he didn't even have them feed him. You know, he he uh, provided his own food and everything like that because, you know, you know, they had these people had been abused so long that he he wanted to show them another side that that he wasn't just using them to support his lifestyle. That he really was truly giving out of his heart. Paul, when he was on mission field, he did the same thing. He didn't want people to think that he was just starting the church, you know, because he couldn't find a job and somebody could take care of his needs and serve him. You know, he didn't even ask. Though, you know, he would ask them to help him support when he went somewhere else, but he wouldn't ask for anything while he was there in the midst of those. And I, and and I can see where that point rings true. We see a lot of that, you know, even in our in uh, just our just religious circles, faith circles, anywhere where people are, are they they just treat their pastoral work as a part time job and enough to make bills meet and and set themselves apart from others to get in that point. So when you when you when you're working your plan and you're looking at the as is. You may come in with one plan, but you may end up with a whole nother plan. That's that's the point I'm trying to make today is that you may be planning on, on, on like I was, get out here and uh, and run youth revivals and get bring kids to the Lord. But at the same time, then you turn back around and realize that there's no place to store these kids. So now I have to start working with senior pastors and older people and training and training youth workers and, and bringing them out so that we can have some 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 laborers to go into this field, as Jesus was said, you know the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray for more laborers, and as you're praying for more laborers, someone's going to have to train, produce, and train those laborers, and and that's what I found myself doing. And I never really put the evangelism part away. It's just that I realized I couldn't get to the evangelism part until I created a place in which to store this huge harvest that I was willing to take in. And so then I found myself opening up a whole nother uh, ministry and open up a whole nother level of what I was what I was trying to do. I mean, even in the midst of, of pastoring, you know, at our church, uh, we spend probably almost a little over a third of the monies that we bring in, probably about 30, 35, 40% of the monies that come into our church goes back into youth and children. And, uh, and you know, because that's how important we feel that is, you know, between our summer program, uh, our, our athletic, you know, athletic programs, uh, the college prep leadership development program, they're all aimed at people, you know, 18 and under. And uh, and it takes up a, 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 a huge chunk of our time and our money because we part of the things that we believe that God has called us to do is he's called us to be a center of influence for the next generation. So in the midst of worship and prayer and, you know, uh, benevolence and missions and all the other things that we do, we also realize that, we, you know, we have a commandment to get out there amongst young people and and, uh, and influence that next generation. And so it's, it's well seen. Now, all of this didn't happen in one plan swoop overnight. You know, as, as we got into being a church, we realized, you know, we need to work with kids. As we work with kids, we realize 
they, that work where the kid won't stick unless we get to the parents. So then we get to the parent, and then we realize that, you know, they can they can memorize scriptures and, and worship and prophesy, but if they can't add and write, life's going to be rough. So we started getting into education. And then, uh, you know, then we looked around and said, oh, wow, this is always, out of shape, generation, whatever is there. So the next thing you know, we were in the athletics, you know. So it, it kind of morphed as we get in there. And so it, it it is easy to get distracted by one of those things that you have to do and never make it back to your original vision. And whatever you do decide to do on this, you know, before your vision comes, you have to make sure that it fits your vision and it goes along with it. It won't distract or detract you from from uh, what God has called you to do. And it keep you there, you know, in spite of the things, whether it's athletics or education or, you know, college lead, prepper leadership, it's, we're still working with young people and we're still giving young people the gospel. And, you know, that fits my original mandate was to go out here and win young people to Christ. You know, I just use it. I use a couple of different vehicles. I use education. I use sports. You know, I use uh, I use leadership development as vehicles to help me get to my goal of reaching young people, but they don't become my all in all. Young people still have to stay focused in, in the central part of what I do. And when you're doing that, you know, when, whatever that may be, I mean, you know, we have to understand that there's, um, I like our pastor, Bill Winston puts it, we have kings and we have priests in the, in the king. And the kings went out and brought in resources back to the priests so that the priests could distribute them and make sure that, you know, that all, all needs were met and, Things were there in due season, everything like that, and uh, and the priest ministered unto the people. Uh, he just said, "Come," he said. The problem comes when uh, kings try to be priests and priests try to be kings. You know, and meaning meaning that instead of the priest focusing on ministering to the people, he's starting to focus on bringing in money and resources and trying to become a millionaire or whatever it may be, and it it it, it distracts or or takes time away. And what he was originally called for, and that was to minister to the people, and then or king. Sometimes, if you know, you see sometimes somebody, you know, they they they're a big giver and a resource to the church, and then all of a sudden, then now they want to they want to teach and they want to lead or they want to pastor. So you got this 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 temptation to come out a role. But you know, if 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 the ones who've been called to bring those resources in, you know, what I mean, they're, they're out there. You know, and and we as leaders have to be sensitive, even at a young age, when we we see somebody that that has that has that call or that potential to to uh you know to 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 make money or you know come up with something you know come up with an idea or a plan, and when we see that, it was like oh wow, you know, it's like you know how how do I help you know how do I help them get to where they need to get to? How do I help them grow? Uh, how do I help them go? And you know, and 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 make make it so that they can be the leader or they can be the provider for a particular ministry that needs to happen. You know, uh, everybody's looking for somebody to fall out the sky and give them a million dollars or or to be there with them and everything like that. We all dream of that, but do we ever take time out to take, look at what we have and nurture it to be the answer to someone else's problem later on down the road when we go in there? So that's something to think about. So as we as we roll into the break, as we get ready for break time, I just want to, uh, you know, just give a, a little reminder that uh, our next our next uh, class for young people uh, is a leadership class. You know, why is leadership important? December fifth, uh, two thousand fifteen, from eleven to one, and we'll we'll be talking about 
why leadership is important and in, in, in the role it plays in you uh, and going on into your career. And we will look at examples like Nehemiah and things like that. And we will talk about how to plan. And so you put that on your calendar, write your young person out to 1001 Penn Avenue North and uh, come out to that seminar on December 5th. And uh, you're always welcome for service. But we're going to come back and talk about a way to practically apply uh, some planning situations to our own life uh, after the break. Enjoy the music. Another book on marriage? That's Alistair Begg from Truth For Life Radio talking about why he's written a new book on marriage, Lasting Love. So what's wrong? We've begun to wander off in pursuit of man-made fictions. Now you can get a free download of Alistair Begg's new book on marriage, Lasting Love, our gift to you and your marriage. Here's how. Visit am980themission.com. Use the keyword Lasting Love to get your free audio download of Alistair Begg's book, Lasting Love. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Hey, welcome back to Isaiah 61, Radio Ministry, Spirit of the Lord Church. I'm Pastor Joe Sutton. Uh, just want to take a little time out before at the top to to contact me. My email address is uh, S-U-T-T-O-N-S-M-P-L at AOL.com. And uh, a good number to, to reach me at is uh, 612-588-0582. That's the church number. And uh, I have another number. Just go on the website; it'll direct you to to uh, to another number to reach me at. And uh, just call, comments. Appreciate the feedback. Uh, I enjoy when people come up to me or or email me. You know, I'm Joseph C. Sutton on Facebook. You know, they, they hit me on Facebook and tell me they enjoy uh, listening to me. If you have something like me to discuss or rebring up again, have some interesting uh, <laughs> topics for. 2016 uh some interesting shows coming up for you uh you know i you if you ever around me long enough you know that that i i love to teach you know i love to teach and so therefore in loving to teach i love to let people practice so you'll see some of some of the people that uh that i mentor they'll be coming in and they'll be guest hosting this show and uh, um, because I'm all about preparing the next generation uh, to to lead and getting them and putting them in a position to lead and be leaders and to be uh, to be to to come out here and not just leaders who know how to talk. You know, uh, we tend to vote for our public officials by who can speak the best. You know, who communicates the best, who's the best orator, and order. And and we all know they use teleprompters and but we don't care. Long as they sound good, you know what I mean. If they look good and they sound good, then we're sold, you know. And and that's not it. How do they perform? You know what I mean. That's what you need to look at. How do they perform? You know, anyone can stand up at a press conference and tell me what they're gonna do. 
you know, if the, if they could. But I'm I'm the kind of man I want to see what are you doing now, you know, what do you how do you spend your money, you know, what I mean, how do you spend your money? You know, if you look at how if you take a breakdown of how I spend my money, it's not hard to figure out that. I love young people. If you look at how our church spends its money, it ain't hard to figure out it. We love young people, you know what I mean? And we're invested in this vision. You know, not for the tune of the fact of uh, asking you. So before I ask you to spend your money, you know what I mean? I'm a, you got to look and see how I'm spending mine. You know, I told a group of young people uh, this past Saturday that as, you, as you're making your plan and what you want to do and you're looking at the, you know, the should be versus the as is, I had a key question for you. How are you spending your money? It's easy for me to sit up here and ask you, uh, a collegiate institution, to spend thirty, forty thousand dollars a year on me. You know, give me a scholarship. I'm worth it. But then, before I would give you a scholarship, I have to look and see how do you spend your money? Do you spend your money on bettering yourself? I mean, do you do you spend your money uh, to attend a, a seminar, or do you spend your money on a, a, a book? You know, or do you subscribe to certain magazines or newspapers? Are you are you spending your time in such a way that it, it betters your chances? Or do you take your money and you spend it on McDonald's and hair and nails, uh, you know, basketball shoes or whatever like that? But then you come to me and ask me to give you 30000 towards your education when you don't even spend your own money towards your education. You know, and, you know, and being an accountant, I can read numbers and numbers tell me a whole lot. Numbers tell me where your love is. I want to share a little story with you, you know, and if you ever been around me before, you've heard me share this story before. But, you know, a lot of times we we depend on what we believe is our natural gifts. We depend on what we believe is our natural gifts. So when people ask us if we want to serve or do something, we usually go with our strength, what we believe is our strength. Not necessarily what what God has called us to do, but what we go with our strength. And uh, it'll be like me, you asking me, oh, oh, Pastor, what would you like to serve at in the church? And then I would tell you, oh, I, I like to serve in the youth ministry, right? That's the strength of mine. You know what I mean? You know, I didn't do youth ministry sleep, waking up. You know what I mean? Don't even have to to, to labor at it. Some others really have to labor at it a long time, not there. But that may not be what God is calling me for at this particular time and what asked me to do. It may be a stretching time for me. So I was uh, uh, working with a group of kids and, uh, I went to this junior high school and I said, give me your top 20 troublemakers. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I said, you tell me what they need to work on and I will stay after school one day a week as a study hall period, making sure homework is done, making sure they work in their, whatever their weaknesses are, uh, prep for tests, whatever you need done. I said, but I asked that I get two days a week that where I uh, take them and uh and do activities with them and then see, you know, what they're all good at and maybe form sports league. So basketball is the official sport of urban community. <laughs> so we ended up forming a basketball team with these guys. I lost about eight of them over the course of time between moving and attitude, or, you know, or going to juvenile. And uh, But I had a, a solid 12, you know, out of this junior high, sixth, seventh, eighth graders who, who were there. And so we – it was been a basketball league, and and uh, we we walk into the gym, and uh, and so they like swore they were gonna win the whole league, you know. What I mean, because they because basketball is it. They're from the they're from the hood. They could play basketball, and uh, we played this one Hispanic team came in the door, and they were like, "Oh, we're gonna run them," you know, because just like they they need to be playing soccer, and they shouldn't play basketball. They beat us by thirty points. They ran us out the gym. 
you know, I mean, they were older because I, I had to, I had one eighth grader and mostly sixth graders, and uh, and I had to put them in the eighth grade league. And uh, oh, they got ran. They got ran, and it was, it was funny, you know, because to me, because they they had this, well, the game even tipped off. They knew they had won just because black people are supposed to be better at basketball than anybody else. So then we, I, had, I put them in a, a quiz bowl, right? In a quiz bowl, and we were doing a little quiz bowl, and then we had to go to this tournament out in the suburbs. And all the way from there, once they found out we were going to the suburbs, they had said they lost. They were going to lose because they're going out here and we're going up against white people. So we're going to lose. Yeah, I mean, so so before we could even tip it off, they had talked themselves out of it just like they had talked themselves into it. We did well. We took third place in the quiz bowl, and they were all excited and everything like that because we had prepared. But I'm just here to tell you this. Many are the plans of a man, but the last and final decision is up to the Lord. And so, you know, you may you may think that you got this down pat, and you may think that you're, you're ready to go. And, uh, you know, but it's one thing. Your confidence does not equals God's preparedness. Have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next week as we wrap up EMI. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.